she said, does the carpet match the drapes? And I said, I don't know. Why don't you pull the rug out from under me? And you can see a whole new world. A new fantastic in me. Don't know when. I'm going to stop saying. Welcome to episode 56 of the Off and Beat podcast. I am, uh, unfortunately, your host, Clint. Oh, I just finished watching, uh, recording this on technically Tuesday morning, but basically Monday night at 1.01 a.m. Just watched the Ravens and, uh, the Raiders, and, uh, that was a pretty uninteresting 33-27 game if I've ever seen one. Raiders play like doo-doo. Derek Carr was, a uh, targeting Darren Waller, like, uh. He, uh, like Darren Waller had some information on him, and he said, if you don't give me 15 targets in the first half, I'm putting the target on you, bud. And then after a while, he's just like, we got to win the game. So he almost cost the game twice at the end. Lamar played okay, fumbled the ball a few times, but it happens. Great day. Plus, uh, Carl Nassib, he, uh, as they would say on the broadcast, he uh, roughed the edges a few times. And I uh, bet he did. But yeah. Nothing, uh, you know, so. I was uh, charging the courts today. And when I was charging the courts, they uh, put a restraining order on me. I didn't know the court could put a restraining order on you. When they just throw you in jail. And kind of like Kanye's part one and part two jail. Um, seems a little unnecessary to count as two separate songs when it's literally the same song. The only difference is there's a added verse from artists. The baby. And uh, although I understand why they did that because of his quote unquote homophobic rant at uh, Rolling Loud. Um, which I guess you could say was pretty loud because everyone fucking heard it. <laughs> Oh, now he's rolling in the deep. And uh, no matter how much Adele wants to deny, um, it's funny how when she does her hair, it's not cultural appropriation. I guess we give uh, passes when people can sing. Actually, I saw an article today. It was actually from three months ago. I was reading or I was watching a video about Swiss Beats and Drake. You know, Drake recently put in a line because... Uh, Swizz Beats like a year ago on Instagram Live was drunk on Busta Rhymes and he basically called Drake a pussy. And then Drake, of course, in his recent album on You Only Live Twice, man. Oh, you acting like a bitch. Oh, you fancy, huh? It's kind of a clever line. And, you know, they basically squashed it. But I was going down a rabbit hole. Apparently, Swiss Beats said that Justin Timberlake uh, owes uh, black culture. Uh, for his success um which i guess i get because you know timberland was basically the producer and in charge of a lot of the instrumentals or inspired a lot of the instrumentals on feature sex love sounds and on the first album justified my favorite album by jt was uh he had the neptunes pharrell and you know that whole group and everything 
and you're saying he he doesn't I guess give back to the culture enough which I mean like I get it I guess um but I've never looked at Justin Timberlake as someone who doesn't give back uh you know he goes on tours all the time or recently he's gone with the I think they're the Tennessee the Tennessee band or whatever they're Basically, the group brings for his most recent music, the Tennessee, the Tennessee Music Group, where it's basically uh, kind of like a mixture of a choir, uh, uh, you know, saxophone, uh, jazz musicians, stuff like that. And pre- and I think he, by doing that, he brings notoriety to maybe people who aren't on, you know, his level in terms of fame and everything, but they're very talented. And by bringing the Tennessee, the Tennessee boys of the Tennessee group he uh he actually does gives them notoriety goes on late night television where they still get tens of millions of views on the tube so I you know I don't know a lot of that stuff gets very tricky when you start talking about uh culture vulture I guess and you know when you start talking about um appropriation which I don't think that really applies to music but I guess it can but when it comes to music it's more of you know giving homage making sure you you know shout out and uh, give notoriety which I feel like he has but you know it's like a Joe Budden with Justin Bieber if you pretty avid listener you know he's not a big fan of Bieber in terms of the music and how he feels he uses he uses a black culture to assemble his status into a bigger pop star than he already is. Because basically, he's an R&B singer now. It's basically Joe Budden's case on that. And, you know, he's had some things in his youth where I think there's a video of him saying the N-word when he was like 12 or 13, probably younger than that. And, you know, it's not a good look. I don't care how young or old you are. It's definitely weird when you see the music he's doing now and you see artists he works with, how they, we just kind of blow past that. But, you know, people grow. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I wouldn't hold, but I can understand like people may not hold that against him since he was like very, very young. And, you know, but it's all, but the argument that Joe Budden makes is that he uses. Uh, other R&B artists that he features with, an artist that he works with, the rappers that he works with for his music, and he uses that sound. And the argument is because he's white and because of the stardom he already has, by using that sound, he's a, he's making millions and millions and millions of fucking dollars off of music that's not culturally his. But bigger than that, it's it's almost like he uses it, but doesn't even give back homage-wise and stuff like that. While the artists he's working with aren't anywhere near his level. And I guess that's like Joe Bunn's issue with Bieber. Um, so yeah, a lot of that, you know, music, cultural uh, stuff can get very tricky. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm very uh, that deep into music to really understand I guess that deep of a point of view in it I'm a music listener but I'm not like this savant music historian type of thing I think music is one of those things where I felt like if you write 
make all your music and you're in charge of all the instrumentals and everything, you know, I don't see why it's, if you create everything from scratch yourself, I, I think if you create it yourself, who are you paying homage to? You could say you have inspiration, which may always be there, but unless you're like sampling a song or you're literally, you know, doing a similar, like when Drake did Chicago Freestyle, it's obviously, he uses the chorus as a mixture of Eminem's, bitches, they come, they go, Saturday through Sunday, Monday, that song, and he uses that as kind of like the chorus, and that's kind of like the theme of what he's doing, which is kind of, so I guess in that sense, you're paying homage but how? But if you're sampling an instrumental rap, I guess it's a little bit different. If you're, if people would tell you you're heavily influenced in a certain direction, you know that stuff gets really tricky. Or should it just be that um, if you're not a part of that culture, should you even make music in it? I don't know. Me personally, I don't think that makes sense because then you're not really. You could possibly be preventing the best of the best type of thing. Because let's say, you know, someone who I'm, again, I'm not very well versed in this, but let's say it's Latino music, you know, whatever that means. But there's, but there's a, uh, there's a, there's a white person with Latino music and they have the greatest voice ever for Latino music. But they're not Latin. And but these people may make the best music and songs in that genre, but because they're not culturally that, are we preventing the best of the best just because they're not quote unquote typically a part of that? That's why the pop music genre itself is this uh, weird. Pop music to me is someone said pop music is just when you are too popular, when your music is too popular to be considered a specific genre. Like, that's why people consider Drake pop, because his biggest hits, even though they are rap and hip-hop, there's pop elements because he got so damn big, it's so worldwide, it's just pop. Where, or is pop when just you hear a sound, and when you can't confine it in a specific genre that would typically be associated with it, you just call it pop because it's a safe. We always feel like we got to label a genre. We always feel like we got to label an artist or label a song in a genre instead of just enjoying it. I feel like genre distinction is kind of overrated, but it's also very necessary at the same time. It's overrated in the sense that arguing over what a song or genre an artist is doesn't mean, oh, well, since it's a country song, you know, it's a eight out of ten, but since it's a pops, but since it's a uh, you know a folk song specifically, it's a five out of ten. Or you know, oh, is this R and B? Because if this is an R and B track, it's a nine out of ten. But if it's supposed to be a hip hop rap artist track, then it's a six and a half out of ten. Like it's like, is the song good or not? Is the artist good or not? Do you enjoy it or do you not? It's like you need to confirm if you I only listen to hip hop, but then you listen to a song you like it and it's not considered it's considered pop. It's like, well, well, I don't like it now because I know what genre it is. Like what? But you but your ears and your body was doing the cha cha slide to it. You obviously like the fucking song. You know, I I think it's very important to understand 
what the typical audience or what the typical field is of the genre you're doing or who your competition is or who your peers are. Peers are competition, however you want to define it and whatever. You got to understand if you're, quote unquote, the minority in your genre. Like if you're a white rapper and if you're a white dude that raps, yeah, look, you are technically a minority in that field, more than likely. But does that mean you shouldn't, if you're good, if you are Eminem and you are that damn good, where no one's going to deny you, or even in current day, like Jack Harlow, or I hate to say it, but like Machine Gun Kelly, even though I don't really listen to his music, but you know, obviously he he's had some success in it. I'd say Jack Harlow is like the biggest quote unquote white rapper at this point in time. You know, uh, you know, you just a G Easy. You know, I don't like G Easy. I think it's kind of lame and lame as fuck. But you know, it's it's one of those. Uh, you do have to be aware. You can't be dumb. Like uh, I don't understand why people think it's different. Me, like of course it's different. It's not normal. It's not as common to the eye. That doesn't mean you're going to be denied or you're going to be, it's going to be so much harder for you, but you understand like, yeah, it's, you're a minority in what, in your field, in a sense. And even though at the end of the day, it should just be, do people like your music? Is it good? Is it not? But the argument people will make is, I, I came across this video, I didn't click it, but I saw the title and I'm almost afraid to watch it because, you know, I feel like I know the answer and it is how a record label will promote a white artist and promote a black artist. By the way, this is not going to be a racially focused pod, but I I do find it interesting when you talk about music. Record label will definitely, basically, and it had a picture of Bieber and a picture of, um, I believe it was Kendrick. I could be wrong. It may not even have been someone on that level, but Basically, how a record label, as good as your music and everything is, if you're part of a record label, how they promote it, how they promote your music, which means how many people are just going to listen to it because it's been promoted and how many people are going to stay because it's good. Because it could be a complete trash album, a complete trash song, but if it's being promoted on uh, streaming services and advertisements, played on the radio nonstop, then people are going to listen to your song by default. And give it a chance over and over. And over time, if you abusely listen to a song, you're going to convince yourself just to like it. Because it's almost like adapting to what you're listening to. It's adapting to just survival. You learn to like things even if you really don't. So if you're constantly played, like, Way Too Sexy by Drake. It's probably one of my least favorite songs on this album. And one, and I don't really like the song at all. I like the music video, but... You know, if I was listening to the radio, I know it's being played like crazy. I know it's like if you go on Spotify playlists, it's always going to be on these rap playlists or pop, the biggest playlists right now. And like if you just listen to playlists, it's going to come on and you're probably going to listen multiple times in a week over a year. That's what? A hundred plus times in a year, if not more. And so... So it does matter how much your record label has invested in you and how they promote you. Now, how much of it is unconscious promoting and conscious or you can't how how can you say it's ignorance and what they're doing? 
if they literally provide data with every single move they do. They obviously know what they're doing. But I didn't watch the video, but I'm assuming the kind of the direction is going to be the how they promote Justin Bieber compared to how they promote, you know, whoever else, like maybe Chance the Rapper, even though technically he's independent. But if they were part of the same record label group, they're probably going to promote Justin Bieber different and Chance the Rapper. And it's just, you know, it's an interesting topic. It's probably something I'm going to do more research before I go more in depth about it. But that is something I I think is kind of interesting. You know, people call Drake a culture vulture, you know. Um, You know, that stuff, again... I'm not the person to speak on what's culture vulture. I've talked to people about it that are more inclined to know what that means and stuff. And they say, some of them say like, not people that say culture vulture, they're just always trying to find someone's wrong. If they like music, they like music that they don't like it when other people just call every single thing culture vulture. Like people say Drake because he, he's always doing the trendy. He's always doing kind of the wave. Like, he's been doing UK drill stuff. I don't really care for UK drill rap. I don't really like it when he does it. But, you know, there's people that like it. Um, when he does the Caribbean stuff, like the More Life album, or the recent Fountains, like, when he kind of does that uh, genre, that style of music, you know? You know, there's people that don't like him when he does that. Um, because he's not... But, like, if Rihanna does it, because she's from that, you know, if Nicki Minaj does it, she's kind of, she's from Trinidad, I believe. So, it's kind of like that island, Caribbean uh, type of closely attached type of thing. And far we know, Drake is, you know, Canadian and whatever. So, it's not that same, for lack of a better word, which, who is who is someone like anyone to define what that person's like what influences that person that's where that stuff gets tricky to me um i think there's a fine line it's like you don't like we don't know if drake you know went on you know lived for nine months when he was a kid in the islands and was ingrained in that culture and brought that home with him and that's who he, we don't know that but again you know as someone who just kind of rides waves and trendy yeah drake probably does that people call him culture vulture because he has capitalized on even though he is technically, you know, mixed, biracial, half black, half white. So that that's the stuff where people kind of like, oh. But to me, um, you know, I'm not here to defend no one or nothing like that. All, I, all I'm going to say is I think, I think you can make the argument that he technically is. But then by definition, probably every single person that does music in some capacity, is a culture vulture is something. And I don't mean, like, literally every style of music or everything they do, but the music of whatever that person's doing, whether it's country, uh, rock, hip-hop, R&B, soul, you know, go down the list of genres. Someone has done that sound before. Someone has done that music, especially this far in the game of music. Like, very, like, it's almost, I would say it's almost impossible to create a completely original, from scratch sound that no one has ever done, or that doesn't remind you of something else when you listen to that. Literally. Like, 
every artist or every person in general is influenced by something. So they're going to sound like something. That's why I really believe like any song that gets put out today, someone could be sued for copyright. Someone could be sued for, you know, stealing. Like when Robin Thicke's uh, Blurred Lines and stuff, because that was just directly like legit lawsuit type of shit. But Pharrell's had a couple of those cases. Really, most of hip hop and R&B, it's sampling instrumentals. So if you're sampling nonstop, you're literally just using parts of other instrumentals, including yours that may be kind of original. But even your own original instrumentals was influenced by something. You're going for a particular type of sound. You're going for a particular type of uh, instrumental for an artist. So you're it's designed for something, right? And I just uh I feel like they're they're you know, that's where the stuff gets confusing. This is coming from just a person I'm generally asking. Like I understand history and stuff like that to an extent. But in day it's like how much of that culture I guess culture vulture when you're profiting off that. So that's where it gets tricky. So if like um you know, let's, like, since Drake has made a lot of fucking money using a whole bunch of different sounds, yeah, maybe he has capitalized on making money off a UK drill when he's not from the UK, or capitalizing on Caribbean music when he may not be from Caribbean. So, it's going to feel different when someone profiting off something that's not even theirs. But, you know, um... You know, again, I, be honest. I'm kind of, I'm still kind. I've gone, I've talked, I've talked with this with other people about these things, and most of them say that they could care less, and it will be, uh, the we'll be talking about music that uh, that directly affects their culture in a sense. Like I've talked with people that are Jamaican and people that are, you know, from other countries or people from different like type of specific cultures and when we talk about specific music that like we'll talk about what do you like what do you think about cultural appropriation or cultural or artists that basically culture vulture and where they're profiting off something that's quote unquote not theirs and most of them is like eh, most of them could care less because they're like well what like it's like they're, the way they look is things that are meant to be, things that are created, anything good that's ever been created is going to be stolen. And that's not an excuse, but it's, I, I guess their point, this is not my point of view. This is this person's point of view. And I'm not going to say their name for whatever reason, you know, not my business, put their business out there. But to them, they're like, at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter as much as a lot of people think it matters. You know, people always, they're, the way look is, people always want to talk about corporations capitalizing and stuff like that. It's like, but that's just kind of the way the world works. And they're not saying that's right, but them thinking about and fighting for something that's really a waste, I wouldn't say a waste of time, but it's, it's almost like, what's the fine line between paying homage? What's the fine line between paying homage, stealing, or, um, you know, kind of snatching 
the sound type of thing. And to them, they're just like, the way they grew up and what their parents taught them, it's really like, they feel a lot of people that talk about culture vulture and stuff like that, they feel like a lot of them are more mad about other things in life, but they're using this as an example to be more mad about something that has nothing to do with what they're really mad about. And that's just their personal point of view because their idea is just, you know, work harder type of thing. And this is kind of their life mantra in general. So again, I don't know. I, I just talked for 25 minutes about some, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm going to look into it more though. I'm, I'm quite interested in it. I don't, I think you could be very interested in some and not necessarily have a very strong opinion about it or not really know what you think about it yet. And I'm not, I'm definitely very good at not trying to gauge everyone's opinions to make my own opinion, but I just don't know enough or really have thought about enough. It's only been something that's been brought to light recently, past few years. It's something that's been very heavily topic on social media and things of that nature. Because you got to go to the original sounds of, well, who created this type of sound of rock? Was it, you know, X person in 1920 or was it 1900? Like, you know, who knows? Because, again, there could be a lot of false history out there. So people just say, well, in 1918, they'll do these paragraphs. It's like, how do you know that? Because you read it on a history.com website, although maybe fairly accurate, you know. Where do they get their information from? You know, it's... It, the thing is, like, with information, you never really know. It's it's almost... And, you know, since white people don't have culture, I guess we can't do anything musically. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know. Today's sponsor is a Ghost Warhead Sour Watermelon. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll do a whole pod talking about culture vulture, right? Because I'll say like this. This is an artist that's very, one of my favorite artists. And I think why he's one of my favorite artists because I love, I love um, R&B music growing up, right? Which I guess also brings, before I get into that, is technically listening and enjoying something. Is that appropriation? Is that vulturing, Right. Because if we're trying to keep cultures within a culture within itself, then does that mean anyone outside that culture should not be allowed to, you know, either purchase products of, you know, whatever, or, you know, buy whatever, or listen, or be a part of things? You know, I, again, these are just open questions, because I, I think it's an interesting thing, because... It's like, why open that door if if that culture is afraid of it being stolen or of it being appropriated? Because obviously there's a lot of history of stuff being stolen or thievery in that sense, you know. And I'm not, you know, we're just going to keep it basic in terms of people stealing music, you know. Um, but as someone, I, I enjoy... Growing up, I listened to a lot of early R&B, like early 2000s R&B, you know, the Ushers of the World, you know, you can name 
any R&B artist at that time, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I liked R. Kelly. I still kind of do, but not a lot. It is a little bit different to listen to R. Kelly now in the very specific specificities in his music and uh, realize, ah, you know, this dude was telling us all along. And, you know, uh, when a woman's fed up, oh, oh, I, um, it's, but yeah, okay. What I was saying is, so I listen to, in country music right now, right, there is a lot of, you know, it's a lot of what Congo people say, non, not countries, a lot of R&B instrumental infusions, hip hop kind of infusions and instrumentals. So it's, it's like there are artists now that are using another genre, bringing into their genre that have a more mass appeal, right? It's, it's like when they say a country artist becomes too big, they're a pop artist. Because they have grown outside of the country niche and they have gone where now they're in the billion streams or the hundreds and hundreds of million streams on Spotify, album purchases, whatever. Like, for example, Sam Hunt, um, one of my favorite artists, um, you know, you go down the list. Luke Bryan has kind of infused, you know, people say, is he really even country anymore? Thomas Rhett, his most recent album was, but... A lot of his previous albums, a lot of the biggest quote-unquote country stars in today's country, you know, people say, well, they're not really country because there's a lot of, you know, the way they do the R&B phrasing, it's a lot more fast speaking like you would in hip-hop and rap. It's a lot of, um, it's a lot of, it's a lot more slick in the sense of wordplay than old country music. It's a different way of maybe saying the same things you were saying country, but it's said in a different way. You know what I'm saying? So it's more of like, Sam Hunt, I would say, is more like an R&B infuse in country. People say he's not really country. Could you make an argument that an artist like that, Body Like a Backroad, has over 700 million streams on Spotify? All of his bigger hits, uh, and Take Your Time. It's not an R&B instrumental, but the way he's talking through it. It's very spoken wordish. Um, and Leave the Night On, it's very fast-paced chorus. It's a lot of, there's a lot of different um, way and speakers. It's an acoustic, drawn-down, heavy beat in the bass. It sounds, it's more electronic drums type of thing, you know. Breaking up was easy in nineties. You know, you just if you know anything about Sam, you listen a few songs catalog. You get what I'm saying. Is he an example of a person who has profited of cultural? See, like I want culture vulture, I guess, for like a better word. I don't know, like appropriating by using a genre music that is not typically associated with someone of his race. He has infused it in his quote-unquote predominantly white um, genre, and he has infused it into his own to create a more mass appeal, a popular appeal, because country is a very specific niche. You're not going to get a whole lot of worldwide appeal, the same as if you do, if he just calls himself a country slash pop artist. 
he opens the door more avenues. You know, people that could be crossover listeners. Like me, I'm a crossover country listener. If it wasn't for someone saying, I wouldn't have started listening to more real country music. You know, kind of opens the doors. Like, I had a previous episode where having the crossover artists in your genre, such as, I believe, like a Drake and hip-hop, where they're... I wouldn't, I would never say an artist is bigger than your genre, but they reach more than the audience of their genre, I think is a better way of putting it. Sam Hunt's a great example of that, um, you know, Drake is a great example of that, you know, there's just a lot of examples of people that reach outside of their main genre, and, you know, they reach that pop radio, I guess is the better way of putting it. Sam Hunt, Thomas Rhett, Luke Bryan, um, Jason Aldean to an extent, you know, you know, you can, you know, just Keith Urban, even though I'm not a big Keith Urban fan, but whatever. But yeah, you get it. Is someone who infuses other genres into their own genre, are they technically vulturing to make their appeal as an artist bigger, more worldwide, or more versatile, or more? Or is it just someone that generally, that's the music they enjoy, so they want to make music that infuses all the music they enjoy? Because he grew up listening to country, R&B, rap, all of it, and he wanted to find a way to make it his own original sound because him just being a complete like you know stripped down neanderthal country artist is not who he is at least he i didn't that's not who he is and that's not what makes the type of music he wanted to make so is that someone being genuine authentic or is that someone capitalizing on something that's not theirs to capitalize on i guess is a more fair way of putting it and again I'm not asking these questions. I'm not saying these with statements. I guess I'm just more curious. I'm a curious guy. I'm open to... Well, not that curious. Oh, Georgie, Georgie. Um, it's just it's just a... It's just a fascinating discussion to me. On either side. Because, you know, it makes sense when I listen to people that are... You know, I was a... I talked to this girl probably about six or seven months ago, right? Nothing serious. You know, we just started talking and we got across that subject and she was very adamant that oh yes there is such a thing as cultural appropriation and things of that nature like if people wear certain hairstyles that's not part of their uh culture or you know I'm not very sharp-minded I know there's better terms used for these I'm just not there tonight but like you know especially with uh when like Adele, like I joked about Adele earlier, but when she went to Jamaica with her, you know, I guess she went with her boyfriend and she got a, I believe she got dreads or she got some type of hairstyle that's specific to Jamaican culture or Caribbean culture type of thing. And, you know, I've always heard like that stuff people are always 50-50 on of, oh, there's no problem with it. It's just a hairstyle, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's actually paying homage. It's a respectful thing. And then some people, typically people that are part of that culture, are like, no, that's that's not cool. Because especially her being white, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's almost like they're trying to, they're trying to, I guess we're like, they're trying to fit in. 
like that was trying to fit in too much. It's like I don't know. I think she, you could say it was a bad judgment, maybe like a self awareness, maybe. But at the same time, I think if they were, if they offered to do, if someone did like offer you to do your hair, but and they offered to do your hair in that hairstyle, you turn it down. Maybe that would be rude. I don't know. It'd be like if you go to someone's house and reject to even try food, someone's food, that could be considered disrespectful. Obviously, that's not what happened. She wanted to get it, blah, blah, blah. But is that, you know, is that appropriating? Um, again, maybe. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like there's worse things you could do to disrespect the culture than a hairstyle. But again, I get it, though, at the same time. Like, I, I would be more angry if someone tried to profit off my culture. But then again, if she's wearing the hair, she could be profiting, being a celebrity and all that stuff. And she feels like she has this, she can get away with stuff that other people can't. There could be an appeal of that. See, so like, you can, you know, it really just however you want to look at it. Like, anything life. You can look at the worst parts of it, or you can look at the non-harmful parts of it. And there's probably truth in both. Um, it is it is an interesting it is an interesting thing though. Is getting you know dreadlocks or dreads or you know certain hairstyles that would be considered you know um, typically hairstyles that are used for specific hairs. Like if I were to go out here and get dreads, it would. Yeah, people are going to look at me some type of way. But then again, it's also, I don't think it would fit me personally. Like, I think I would, I don't think I would look good in dreads. That's the only reason why I wouldn't get it. But if I felt like it would look good on me, would I get it? I don't know. Probably not because even if, like, I went down that road, I'm like, you know what? I would look sexy as hell with dreads. Or, or, you know, chances are, I would probably be like, is it even worth the backlash of getting it. And I'll probably like. Not that I care what other people think. But I also don't want to go everywhere. And be just fucking stared at. Like a, like I committed you know murder. And. Wow. This is not how why I plan to talk on the pod. This is what happens when you don't plan anything. You talk about. Cultural appropriation. And cultural vulturing. At the end of the day. I, I'll end it with this right. Do I feel that appropriation exists? Of course I do. I feel like there are people that definitely uh, take advantage of cultures that aren't theirs and purposely profit off it in an unnatural way. I don't know what a natural way is. But, like, for example, uh, Elon Musk, he bought Tesla. But he didn't create Tesla, but he made Tesla well-known because the person who created Tesla was Nicholas Tesla. But you would never know that because based off what you think Elon Musk created Tesla. Like, the word Tesla and that ideas and stuff, no. But Elon Musk definitely made it, you know, rich as fuck. (laughs) He made it, he made the idea, like, there's people that have ideas, and there's people that make it come to life. That's why typically the people that come up with ideas 
don't know how to actually make it in a business sense to make it a profitable business. So they end up selling it and someone else does it, you know, whatever. But, you know, I can understand if someone did that with products, if someone did that with products or did that with uh, music specifically or movies or whatever, with storylines, with books, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I can understand why if you saw someone making $10 million a year making music off of uh, upbringing, talking about upbringings or doing styles of instrumentals or music that has nothing to do with anything about them. Yeah, that would, I would think that would be weird because... You know, it's just, it's, is it just morally wrong? I don't know. I can understand that, though. I understand that there's a lot of gray area, too. I understand that there's a lot of, um, I think a lot of people appropriate, and this is not an excuse for people that do it, I think a lot of people, quote unquote, probably appropriate but they don't even know that they're appropriate. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is wrong, any less wrong, I guess, or any more right. But, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think of music, when people that are just like, that listen to music, and maybe people that create music, they they don't think about, they typically does what naturally comes to them. And sometimes what naturally comes to you isn't always just where you grew up or how you grew up, the type of, you know, um, type of personalities that come with your parents. Like, you know, it doesn't always make sense with with what naturally comes to a person. There's typically, you could point to, you can see like, oh, they grew up here. That's probably why they make music talking about this. That's probably why they in this genre of music, because, you know, they grew up here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sometimes it makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, certain music hits other people differently. So, certain music is going to influence different people differently. And sometimes it may come from a completely different side of the world. Sometimes it may come from your backyard. And, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses for people. You know, I'm generally like, I, I guess I, I, I kind of get more confused with the terms. I get more confused with vulture and appropriation because it feels like a lot of times people move things around to make their argument better, but it's not really clear cut what that means. And it seems like we make exceptions for uh, certain people that may, like we may make an exception for like Robin Thicke, right? Because, you know, he he may be more closely associated to people because, like, a lot of his music is really, like, especially the evolution of Robin Thicke, a lot of his, like, mid-2000s, early 2010 music. It's very, very traditional R&B. Like, can you believe? And he has a... You know, and some people, you know, not to get too down the weeds here, but some people also feel like like him. And I've heard him speak, and it's kind of uncomfortable in a lot of ways. You know, he was married to Paula Patton, who was a black woman. And, you know, 
he kind of, you know, and I heard an interview, I believe it was an armchair expert, and it was a good interview, you know, and I like Robin Thicke's music, you know. You know, it was kind of weird, though, hearing him talk about how he feels like he has, you know, he kind of has, I've been around uh, people, I've been around black people, I've been around uh, people of specific cultures. So when people, because they were talking about his music, and I believe they got, they went down that alley of, you know, do people think that you're appropriating music and because you're white, blah, blah, blah. He was like, well, no, because everyone in my personal life, you know, likes me stuff. I'm, and he used the term invite. I'll, I've been invited to the cookout since I was like 13. And I'm like, okay, uh, I guess no one asked that. But like with Robin Thicke being an example of appropriation or because he has a certain appeal, certain way he carries himself, uh, his surroundings, people he works with, does he get a pass? So is appropriation only applied when we want it to apply? Or is it a very specific case-by-case base, regardless if by the definition of what it is, it may apply to people we may like, but we don't want to say it? Like, Robin Thicke, you know, he's been, you know, in the interviews, you know, this is his words. He was saying that he, like, he is like, if this is a cultural appropriation, what can I say? My music's good. And although, like, if your music's good at the end of the day, I guess that's all that matters. But if we're talking about that, I don't see many people coming after him in the same way they'll come after other artists, I guess is a better way of putting it. And I'm not, and I'm not the person to judge that stuff, because you know I don't. Again, I'm not very well versed on that. These are just off conversations I had, and I get more confused the more and more I listen to other people that may apply to this standard of appropriation or culture vulturing, right? So I don't know. Again, end day. I guess it's really just appropriation vulturing is really just kind of. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? I guess if someone's doing a certain thing and, or is there a across the board, this is appropriation, this isn't. And if you are this, then you can't do this. So I don't know. I don't know. I do feel like that's a slippery slope because we may be resisting. We may be turning down a lot of great artists experimenting and making better music or expanding the range of music if we have that but i but you know i can understand the point of view that it's also very important to preserve the music for you know the culture or the community that typically that music would apply to like hip-hop has the term uh the culture protect the culture get back to the culture and i can understand what that means that doesn't mean that if you are someone that's quote unquote not a part of the culture, you can't be a part of it. But just make sure you give, just make sure you pay homage. Make sure you always show the respect to the culture. Make sure you always, you know, give back type of thing. Because the same thing that the culture gives you is the same you should give back. You know, like anything in life. If someone has given you a lot and has afforded you a great life, has afforded you to do what you love and enjoy, you should always find ways to give back. And, uh, you know, 
You know, I think there's a lot of validity to that. So maybe that's more of what that means. I can't believe it took me 48 minutes to talk through that, but yeah, you know, just, uh, I mean, just, uh, I'm curious this, you know, this whole 48 minutes is basically one is just a thousand questions and no answers by me. Because it's just me thinking out loud about it. And I think I think there's more people that think along these lines that that are more curious about this stuff than would like to admit. But I think a lot of people, especially someone of my uh, light complexion, don't really um, want to talk about this stuff because it get very slippery. And I'm not really someone that's going to talk about race, but there's certain aspects of it. And when it comes to that, type of when you start going down that road and lane that get uncomfortable for a lot of people and I'm open to talk about it it's not even about debating it's more about truly understanding what it means because there may be my interpretation of it could be different based off just what I know and maybe I need more people on the other side or they're more closely attached to it to explain to me why it is harmful and why it is bad or why it is troubling and all that stuff. And I've, you know, I've, I've listened to people talk about it. People, you know, like I mentioned, Joe Budden has crossed it a couple times, especially when he talks about Bieber and other artists as well. Um, and it's, and I, and I think their voices are very well respected in that space as well. Joe Budden, you know, he gets a lot of content, but I do think when he wants, when he has a very, when he actually speaks and has thoughts and is speaks when he has some that he really truly like is uh introspective about it's it's still a great show to watch even with all the fallout with him and rory mall his show is still very good to watch especially when he gets very specific like uh side note like recently when uh michael k williams died i never watched the wire but you know i was aware of the show and just to hear him talk about his personal relationship, seeing them cry because they had a church in, uh, I believe, Jersey or maybe in Detroit. But they had like a church within their community, even though they're both famous and big, they all go there because it's still that community aspect. And I believe it was maybe when uh, Eric Garner died, right? They had, uh, it'll be a short story, then I'll wrap it up, uh. When Eric Garner died years ago, and they had one of those get-togethers at churches on Sunday, that that service was a whole lot different, right? And Joe Budden even admitted, being in the audience, when they brought Michael K. Williams up there, a celebrity, to speak about it. He'll and I, he he was honest. Like at first, he's like, "Oh, they're having, they're just bringing up a celebrity up here to talk about." Whatever, because, you know, they feel like celebrities always are the number one voice and everything. But he said when he went up there, it was passion and the way he spoke and the delicacy and the introspection, everything. He said, one, at first he was like, he felt like such a fucking asshole, felt like complete, ignorant, like those initial thoughts you have. He felt so bad for even thinking that. For even thinking like the worst of a celebrity speaking. And, but on the more important side, just, you know, seeing the emotion and Joe crying when he's talking about this, it shows 
you know, he went, he talked for like 25 minutes about it. And I know nothing about Michael K. Williams because I didn't watch the show or nothing. But I was aware of his death, you know, I, you know, I read a couple stories on it and to hear him talk about it. I listened to him talk about 27 minutes over a dude I literally knew nothing about. And when you were, when you were willing to sit there and listen to someone talk for 25 minutes about someone you have never heard about before that or someone you have no idea of who he really is. And just to hear someone talk about someone they cared about or someone that had an impact or someone that impacted their life. That is someone that has a very great ability to keep you engaged even when that means like that means you're very invested in the person and not just what that show is talking about and at the very least people care what joe button has to say even if you don't care for what he's talking about but you give a fuck of what he has to say about things because i i did i sat there and listened for 27 minutes on the video. The video was 27. I listened to 27 minutes of him talk about a dude. I never knew about before that. I only knew about him in recent days. Because it was a big story. Him being on the wire. Dying of overdose. And all that stuff. But. So that's. So Joe. I respect his opinion. Even if I don't know. If what he's saying is right. I respect his opinion, and it definitely makes you think when he talks about, you know, people culture, like appropriating and not giving homage to the same culture that has given them a lot. Specifically, he's talking about people who would not be directly associated to the culture without musically being in it. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's to him, it's viewed as disrespectful and someone who is just, you know taking advantage of certain aspects of that but yeah all right i think i'm gonna wrap it up you know uh give your honest you know i'm interested in feedback i'm interested in sitting down talking with anyone about it if anyone wants to directly message me about it i'm very interested in talking with someone about it i find it very interesting and a very it does and it's one of those topics that doesn't even though it requires a lot of sensitivity i don't think it necessarily is one of those that has to become hostile because i feel like it's a very common thing that a lot of people don't even realize when it's there and it's just something that needs to be brought more attention to what is and what isn't appropriation what is and what isn't vulturing and taking advantage and blah 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 so yeah all right guys that is episode 56 of the often beat podcast where I just spent 56 minutes talking about something I don't know a whole lot about. <laughs> but yeah, like and subscribe. Uh, you know, follow the tube. And uh, suck some titties. And uh, have a great, great day whenever this is posted. So, uh, yeah. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy.